It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens across the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on today's show, we're offering our final thoughts on one of the best weekends of the college tennis calendar. The 2023 Division I Men's National Indoor Championships are officially in the books for the second consecutive season. It's the TCU Horned Frogs who lead the National Indoor Championships with the winner's trophy, TCU, a 4-0 win in the final over the Texas Longhorns on today's show. We want to break down that final as well as offer our final thoughts on everything that happened in Chicago. And the way we best determined to do that is to offer one take on each and every team that competed over the course of the weekend. That's right. We're running back the same segment we used to break down all the D1 Women's National indoor action last week, but helping me on this edition of the podcast to break down all the men's indoors action is the man who co-hosts this episode each and every week with me and is, of course, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Show, a man you know best as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the uh, Liberty Flames, the lean, mean, vegan machine, the professor. It's our dear friend, Chris Heliores. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. You still experiencing that post-national indoors hangover that I imagine college tennis fans everywhere feel? All right. More like deja vu of your voice in the back of my head all night. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a, you want, definitely one of the best weekends of the year where you get to see all the top teams, you know, in back-to-back-to-back matches. Uh, just a, a great weekend. Uh, and, and yeah, it's sort of the... Kind of, the, it's always that first week after, kind of that that one week let down, and then we'll, all of a sudden we'll jump right back into some big conference seasons that get going. No, absolutely, and you'll get the spring break trips coming up as well. We'll get all sorts of fun action certainly over the coming months in the college tennis world. Of course, couple of things I do want to point to before we start today's show. A, if you're watching on the YouTube stream, we appreciate your patience. Had just a few technical difficulties, so we got started a hair late. But now that we're rocking and rolling, I can once again thank all of you who took the time to tune in to our broadcast of the National Indoors. It was such a privilege for us for the fourth consecutive season to be able to highlight some of the best men's and women's division one college tennis action you will see all year long of course that would not have been able to happen uh, without the continued support we've gotten from so many of you in the college tennis world players coaches parents fans we're so grateful so many of you trust us with your coverage of everything happening as it relates to college tennis and of course that is a burden 
that we do not take lightly. And so we look forward to continuing to cover everything as it unfolds throughout the course of the year. A massive thank you again to the University of Illinois, to the ITA, to my dear partner, Mike Cation, who obviously had to tolerate all of my nonsense throughout the course of the four days, to super producer Daniel Westoff, Crack Racket CEO Dalton Thieneman. They know what they do uh, to make everything happen here at Crack Rackets. I don't think all of you listeners are aware of it, though. So a shout out to the two of them. But again, here on today's show, I see some comments in the YouTube chat. What will we be discussing today? Again, we're going to break down the final, talk about how it all unfolded, how TCU was able to capture that second consecutive championship. And then we're going to go one take per team. We're going to talk about each and every team that competed. There were no rules for the takes that Chris and I are going to be offering. It can be about a player. It can be about a big picture item. It can be about a near-term concern. Whatever comes to mind, that's what we're going to discuss with these teams. Of course, then at the end, we're also going to name our National Indoors All-Tournament team. We'll name our most outstanding players. We'll look at the first edition of the computer rankings, which of course came out this week. We'll break down our Crack Rackets top 10. Look at the week ahead and so much more, of course. Before we do any of that, got to give a massive shout out to the two sponsors who help support this show each and every week. First, a shout out to our dear friends at LS. That's right, folks. They don't just make the hoodie. You see this T-shirt. It's ready to rock and roll. This is prime time. Everything they make comfortable, affordable. You're going to enjoy it. Guaranteed to learn more about our dear friends at LS. Just click on the link in the description to this podcast. LS proud sponsors of the deciding point as of course are our dear friends at Swing Vision, who we were so excited to welcome back this season because Swing Vision, they're at the forefront of all artificial intelligence technology innovations happening within the sport. We're going to have automated line calling soon, just about everywhere, and it's going to be courtesy of the Swing Vision app. So a massive thank you to our friends at Swing Vision to learn more about how you can get their technology working for you. Click on the link in the description to this podcast. When you do inevitably sign up, make sure you use our promo code CRACK20. You'll not only get 20% off, you'll get a free 14-day pro trial, and you'll let them know we sent you there. Shout out to our friends at LS. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision proud sponsors of every week's editions of the deciding point. All right. With all of that said, let's start with the one match we have yet to recap. Of course, if you're looking for, ex- you know, extensive coverage of the round of 16 quarterfinals, semifinals, just look at your great shot podcast feed. Chris was kind enough to join me each night to break down all of that action. We have yet to talk about the final. It was fairly straightforward. TCU ultimately 4-0 winners over Texas. That said, Good morning, as we look at this match, I do think we have to talk about the doubles point first in a vacuum because I think it's a testament to both teams' strengths that that doubles point ultimately was as competitive but ultimately decided in the fashion that it was. And look, TCU takes the doubles point. They get a 6-4 win from Jack Pennington-Jones, Sander Jong at the number two spot. Ultimately, Fernley, Fomba clinch with a break at 6-5. They take a 7-5 set at number one. But man, was this doubles point competitive, Chris. And for a Texas team that had played four three matches the two days prior, come back from a doubles point down to beat Ohio State 4-3, a match that finishes 10.30 p.m. at night. Of course, then they win a 4-3 thriller over Michigan in the semifinals. The biggest question was how much would be left in the tank maybe not as much physically, but very much mentally for a Texas team that was just pushed to the brink all weekend long. And again, this is where you got to credit Texas. 
It was three all, four all, five all on just about every court. Yes, you know, TCU was up a break early at three, but Texas got that break back. And if you go listen to my interview today with TCU men's tennis head coach David Rodivi, who was kind enough to join me on the show to talk about his team's national indoor run, uh, he discussed how Chi Chi Huang, every break point chance, seemed to just find a big serve, or Braswell found a big poach in Texas, just managed to keep things even. Texas fought their tails off. But when you watch this TCU team play doubles, Chris, it's a steadiness that they bring on each and every court. They're going to close the net well. They're going to put returns in play. There's always one guy on the court who can do something ridiculous, whether it be the serve for Fomba, you know, again, the hands of Gorsny at three, the totality of everything that comes at that number two spot. Texas was good in doubles. But TCU is now, I believe, 13-0 and overall on the year. I'm not sure how many matches they've played. They've yet to drop a doubles point this season. Again, they sub out Louis Maxted, who with Sander Jong was a top 10 team. Uh, they sub him out of the lineup. They put in Jack Pennington Jones at two. And Coach Rodidi mentioned this tidbit. You look at their four matches. They won doubles with every possible combination. They won with one and two. They won with two and three. They won with one and three. Again, Texas was good. TCU was better. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue. And it honestly, it was to your point. It was probably closer than we thought it might be. I mean, Texas For is sure. not—they're—they're they're not bad. They're slightly above average, I would say, in, in doubles. They're not outstanding. TCU is outstanding, uh, and so I kind of expected, you know, maybe even a little bit more. But no, Texas. To your point, they. They actually they impressed me in doubles this weekend as a whole. Uh, they they played better doubles than than I thought they would. I mean, they played better everything, but du- doubles for sure. That you know was was I think was a good upside for them. And f- if they want to be, which they you know we clearly have them in our tiered conversation in that tier one. But if they want to be challenging in there, they're going to have to win some doubles points, right? And that's probably you know. It, they're going to get multiple rematches against TCU this year. And if they want to beat them, trying to win four singles matches is probably not the way to do it. Uh, so they're going to have to win a, a doubles point. And I think they're on their way to to having some good, solid doubles play. Well, I'm just going to disagree with you right at the bat. And this is what we learned from our semifinal recap. We don't go at each other enough. So I'm going at you tonight. You should go at me as well. Texas is good at doubles. It comes down to a breaker. I forget if it was at the two or three spot, but the Ohio State doubles point comes down to a breaker. I'm pretty sure it was at two because I remember PY missing the volleys now and Boulay and the shakiness and everything that was that breaker. But like it comes down to a breaker there. It comes down to a breaker at Michigan uh, against Michigan, which, by the way, Chi Chi and Braswell win. And they're the revelation of the tournament in Texas uh, in doubles for Texas. It's like, okay, we have three teams now. And I really love the balance of their teams because you have the energy, the power, the doubles prowess of Spaziri Harper. That's top 10 team good at the number one spot. We saw at the number two spot against Michigan when PY and Waldeep find their stride. That's power. That's explosion. You've got the big serves as well. Like that team can hang. And then at three, you know, you have the power of Braswell. The all-around, the crossing, the experience, the guile of Chi-Chi Huang, who, again, found a big ball whenever he needed, and that's what happens when you have five years of doubles, including national championship experience under your belt. Like Texas is good. They are good at doubles. They played everyone tight this weekend, and they went two and two in doubles, but their two losses were to 
probably the two best doubles points in the country in Ohio State and TCU. And they were right there with both of them. So, like, that's where I disagree. I think Texas is good at doubles. But again, to get full circle, TCU, I this is as good of a doubles point as I've seen. Like, again, there are some teams over the years who systematically they're really good at doubles from a sheer talent on court perspective. TCU has the most talented team. I'm sorry, but like they are that good at doubles everywhere. It's like they can win with every combination. And if they're up 1-0, I just like they again, we talked about this in the semifinal recap. They're the team right now who loses doubles. And you think to yourself, yeah, but they could still find four singles wins if they win doubles. Like, pack the bag, start the plane. Yeah, I, I mean, and to your point, the talent in, in doubles, to the just to think that you got a guy with the hands that Gorsney has. And the length. At at three doubles, it you know it's that it's ridiculous, and then you know and and they don't and if somebody gets hurt, you got like you said, Louis Maxted sitting on the bench right now in doubles, who was top ten with with Sander, uh, in in the fall. So yeah, there yeah the doubles. Uh, I'll still be in the point I made on our on our last recap. I'm still going to be interested to see if this is the kind of is this it going forward? Are we rolling with these? these three teams and Louis kind of sitting, just waiting to see, you know, if anybody gets hurt, he might get back in. And are they, and they sticking with JPJ and dubs, or is it more of a, let's try it out and, and see, and maybe we see a few more changes. I mean, clearly if they have, I am not looking at their schedule right now, but if there are a couple cupcake matches, I mean, they, obviously there's only six teams in the big 12. So they got still some non-conference matches left. I don't know what's there obviously guys will play, but in all the matches that, you know, that truly mean something where they, you know, on a bad day, they could lose. Uh, is it always going to be these, the same guys we'll see, but yeah, they're, they're clearly the class uh, of the, of the dubs field. Yeah, they are that good. And I mean, again, I want to see TCU Ohio state doubles. I want to see Michigan TCU doubles. Like I, I, I do think, you even again, Kentucky played really good doubles against the TCU team in the semifinals as well. Mercer and Lapidot got a win at two. TCU only dropped two sets in doubles this weekend. You know, Kentucky was one of those teams able to push them. But yeah, they take that 1-0 lead. And look, Texas was frisky early. They got a couple breaks early on. I believe it was, you know, again, McDonald went up an early break. Harper went up an early break. Braswell went up 3-2. And I think he was up 4-3 as well after being down early. Uh, but, I mean, again, TCU turned on the ga- turned on the effort. TCU stepped on the gas. TCU was the more rested team. You could tell. And Coach Roditi, interestingly enough, I keep talking about this interview, which you can all go here on the Cracked Interviews podcast. He talked about the the imb- imbalance is the wrong word. But Texas was the eighth seed, and they had to go through a much tougher path than TCU did. 4-3 back-to-back against Ohio State, Michigan, playing the late matches. Now, sometimes that's just how the draw breaks. But again, TCU was the beneficiary of two 4-0 wins, 5-0 technically in one of them, and then a really tight match against Kentucky, but still the earlier of the two semifinals. And you could see that as we hit the 70, 80, 90 minute mark of the match where TCU was able to find a second wind in singles that, well, Elliot Spaziri certainly found at the number one spot for Texas. You know, some of the other guys weren't quite able to do. And so 
you know, ultimately five first sets go the way of TCU. Now, shout out to Evan McDonald. Shout out to Coach Burke. He saw something in the scouting report. He liked the big forehand, the weapons of McDonald into the bigger backswings of Jirasek. And McDonald does take a very hard fought 7-6 first set. But, you know, at that point, Pennington Jones is up a set and a break. Sander Jong is up a set and a break. Seb Gorsny is pulling away from Harper. And in the end, that's the recipe for this TCU team. Doubles, three, four, five, those three matches, all straight sets. Now, I, you know, we'll get to the Texas side of things because the match was closer than a doubles point and three straight set victories. At the same time, it was never in doubt for TCU. And again, for Coach Roditi in this program, they become the first back-to-back champions at this men's indoors event since Virginia won four in a row from 08 to 2011. Obviously, those Virginia teams were knocking on the door of the NCAA championship for so long. They ultimately break through in 2013. Look, this TCU team under Coach Roditi does not have an NCAA title, and they were the number one team and the number one seed going into the NCAA tournament last year before getting knocked off by Kentucky. I know we saw them win the national indoors last year, Chris, but I was freaking in person. And like, I'm just telling you, this team compared to the field, like is just better than last year's team was compared to the field. And I still think there are other teams who can be as good as this TCU team this year. But right now, no one is. And like, I just think the floor for this team moving forward, it's the highest in the country because they have so many options. We talked about this. It's like, okay, let's say Fomba gets hurt or Fernley gets hurt. Everyone is more than capable of sliding up a spot and having equal amounts of success. It's not just that they have the depth. It's that, honest to God, on the right day, you feel like, yeah, Seb Gorsney could beat Jake Fernley. Why not? That said, I can no longer claim that Jake Fernley at number one is a stack because did you watch him throughout the course of the weekend? Did you watch that first set against Elliot Spaziri? Like, he was that good. This team is very, very good. There's not, I'm not going to argue any of that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, there's there's no argument there. They are the best team in the country right now, hands down. Yeah, and it's, again, the depth, the options. Credit to Tomas Jirasek, who comes in again days three, days four, delivers victories. And you should hear Coach Rodini. It is the ultimate luxury. He talks about that, but just agonized. The most difficult part, he says, him and Coach Bowen have a joke where they go, Okay, it's your turn to tell him he's not playing. And they go, and then Bowen goes, David, you have one job. Uh, you know, it's it's your job to tell them they're not playing. Um, and it's a very fun exchange again that you can go here in the podcast. But that's the take. TCU is clearly the number one team in the country right now. They're just clicking at every spot in a way other teams aren't quite clicking yet. And you know, again, I think we can move on from them. From their credit to Coach Roditi, what he's accomplished in his 13 years at TCU is remarkable. They've been top 10 for eight consecutive seasons, Chris. And hot take, I think they've clinched a top 10 spot for a ninth consecutive year with their national indoor title here this season. I defer to you, mathematician, um, but I think I can lock that in. On the flip side, looking at this Texas team, what's your one takeaway from them coming out of the weekend? that I think they look healthier than I've ever seen them in like, I don't know. Since 21. Yeah. I mean, in, in two or three years. Yeah. I mean that, and that's a, you know, healthier. And, and that to me, and I said this coming into the year, like the swing guy to me was CM Waldeeb and he looks good. 
and I think if they've got a healthy team and Waldeep's playing well, it's, you know, it's everything's going. I, you know, I'm still going to say six is always going to be a question mark. We'll probably see different guys, whether it be Aramilly, whether it be McDonald, whoever plays six. But I mean, there's a lot of teams that have that. I mean, there are very few that don't have that question. So uh, that's easily, uh, you know, overcome it against all but, you know, one or two teams. So, yeah, that that's my takeaway is that the the health and and the fact that that Waldeep actually looks good is a huge plus for me for these guys. Yeah. I think my takeaway, and we discussed it before, but Elliot Spazieri is the guy right now. Like, you know, we take the guy very seriously here at Cracked Rackets. And for those who don't know the origin, the genesis of the guy, it's who's the best player at any given moment in college tennis. The guy who has that gravitational pull where he not only will deliver a victory, but his presence on the roster lifts everyone around him. Like, Elliot's the guy, even in a match where he had no legs left. Like, you watched him lose that first set 6-1 to Fernley. And it's just so guaranteed that he was going three. It's just like, I would have bet every dollar I will ever make that Elliot Spazieri was going to go three sets. And I think I even said some version of that, but cleaned it up on the broadcast where it's like, yeah, don't, this match is going three. We can move it. I saw this yesterday against Fenty, you know, like Taylor Swift, he's going to shake that bad boy off. Um, and he managed to do it. And it's just like, you saw the energy he played with the moment it was three all in the Michigan match. I love Andrew Fenty, but you're just like, I'd rather have Elliot always. And it's nothing against Fenty. That's a credit to Elliot Spaziri, who's done it for 15 months with one wrist. And now he's swinging through more backhands. And you're just like, oh, no, like here he comes. And again, my favorite quote, I love I love the opportunity to get to hang out with him a little bit in Chicago to pick his brain. And he was like, Alex, there are times when if my feet are set and I'm hitting a backhand, he was like, I hit the back fence. And I was like, I haven't done that since I was 12. He was like, I hit a home run. And he's like, when I'm on the run, it's fine because it's instinct. It's like, but when I'm when I have time to think, it's a mess. And you're like, you're right. He's still not the best version of himself. And he's the number one player in the country. And just, you know, again, the energy of this Texas team, the positivity they bring, it starts with Elliot and it just translates, you know, through to Seam, to Micah, Cleve, Evan. I think the other revelation, I'll sneak it in here. Sorry, two for Texas. PY's back. Like, oh. Him versus Fumble was so good at the number two spot. That second set was electric. PY was getting into it. I he's a he's a quiet kid off the court. I, that's not fair. I don't know him that well, but he has a quieter persona off the court. And yet there was just a fiery intensity to him on it. And you could just tell how much this Texas team likes competing together. They really like one another. And those are the sort of things that matter. And after last year, you know, again, 2021, you have the year from heaven. 2022, you have the year from hell. The year, this team looks more, the, this team is more like 2021 version of themselves, in my opinion, than they are the 2022. Like last year was the mirage. I think 2021 is the real capability of this group. And you saw that this weekend. So that would be my final take on Texas. Anything to add? You ready to move on? No, let's move on. All right, let's move on indeed to our takes on the rest of this indoors field. Again, we're going to go chronologically by where they finished in the draw, but uh, we want to offer at least one take on every team that competed this weekend. Let's start with your home state. Kentucky Wildcats wins uh, this weekend over Florida, over USC, knocked out in a very testy 4-2 match against TCU. What's your take for Kentucky? Cosne is the real deal. (laughs) They have they have real depth this year, six deep. 
Uh, and honestly, the bigger question in my mind is that is Jaden Weeks, who they were playing at five. We may see a switch there. I don't know. But, you know, coming into the year prior to that, we didn't know, five, you know, a lot of questions, five, six, real depth. They are a top five team that, I mean, n- there was everything about this weekend was good for them. Spicy take. Who wins 2022 or 2023 Kentucky? Uh, 2023. I agree with you. That's my take. No, there's, there's, it's not even a question. And if you throw Diallo on this team, oh, yeah. man, it's just like, God, would they? I mean, again, they're still really good. And, and, and like, the fun part for all those guys is he's still training with I mean, when he's around, yeah. right? Also, he's obviously he's gone pro and he's playing, but he's still training with the guys when he's not traveling for tournaments. So they're all playing with them, too. I'll also say it. I'm not sure Kentucky beats TCU even with Diallo. Like, I think that. No, match no, is I just did, as no. Good. I, yeah, I'm with you. TCU still the better team. But are they like, again, it's such a good match at that point, because I'll tell you what, one of Cousinet and Weeks is going to have a huge NCAA tournament. Like, they're both solid. And Weeks, you can tell, you see the weapons. He's not quite there in terms of yeah. sustaining that level from start to finish in the match. Cousinet's just a shot maker. He's a baller. He got the three-set man. He's just in the fight. I love the energy. I love the tenacity. I said this on the semifinal show. Uh, my take for Kentucky is, I'm going to be honest, I didn't think they were that good coming into the tournament. I didn't see a lot of Weeks. I didn't see a lot of uh, Kosne coming in, and I saw Louisville push them. And, like, you know, again, I'm not the biggest believer. Wasn't, I should say, the biggest believer in Taha Body coming into the year. I invented the Joshua Lapidot bandwagon, as people know. Um, but I was wrong. I was dead wrong. This team is Tier 1 good. Like, they are Tier 1 good because, oh, my God, like – even I didn't think Josh Lopinot was this good. And watching him in person, his momentum is always moving forward into the court. And it's just like, they're good. That's my take. Kentucky's good. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. I told you last year, sitting there watching Lopinot Perego, like Perego didn't play bad. And Lopinot beat him like two and one. I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, I don't even understand how he did that. Uh, he, he's good. Yeah, well said. Well, then let's move on to our next semifinal team again. We're going to go one take per team here. Michigan, coming out of the National Indoors. Chris, what's your take? Um, Again, my take, title title contenders for sure. Uh, just want to see – I want to see consistent doubles. That That's my own – I mean, that my take was disappointing – in you know the way the doubles feel felt like they were up and down, but there's no question what what they have. And Aaron Schneider is clearly playing now this year. You dispelled that rumor, uh, you know, quickly. Uh, he will be obviously be, he's played doubles. He's not taking a medical or a red shirt. He'll be in the singles lineup when he gets healthy enough to play singles. Will in all likely will only make him better. But I'm not sure it even mattered. Cooksey went three and zero, you know, and that's where Aaron Schneider's going if he comes back. So you can't get any better than that. So it yeah. didn't matter. All right, so I'm going to build off of that with a glass half empty. Then I have a glass half full. Michigan's got to make some lineup choices. Like you're right, this team's unequivocally tier one good. Like they have the potential to win a national championship this year. That's the expectations now in Ann Arbor coming out of this weekend. Is you are not afraid of facing any other team. They got to make a choice. It's not just at two and three doubles, but it's also at five and six singles. Like, again, Cooksey goes three and oh. I don't know if he's your all-tournament team choice, and we'll get to that a little bit later. He has to be in the conversation, particularly given the significance of the wins that he was able to rack up. And, like, Jacob Bickerstaff's earned the benefit of the doubt. 
And yet, you know, he didn't have the greatest weekend for the Wolverines at five. I still think, I don't know how you take Bickerstaff out of the lineup, given the success he's had over the past two years, you know, two plus years for the Wolverines was so good last year, had a great fall. And, you know, again, even in a weekend that was disappointing for him, he went, what, one, one and two or one or maybe oh, one and two and was in winning positions in the two matches he didn't finish. It's like, I don't think you take him out of the lineup. And yet, to your point. Aaron Schneider's got to get a look. Cooksey's got to get a look. Like, I, I mean, again, you put the Lamborghini in the garage. They're going to mean Swenson's out like, no matter what the whole year. No, uh. Swenson's got to get a look. <laughs> like, you're absolutely right. And it's like, again, there are matches where you say, Andre, stay home. Like, you don't got to come to this. Which Indiana he will. Swing. We're going to play Indiana and Purdue on the road, but he doesn't. Well, no, he loves it. And so that's the glass half full. Andre, is Andre Styler the best player in the country right now? Well, he's not the best player in the country, but are you sure I, him? I mean, who are you picking over him right now indoors? Uh, I mean, I can think of a handful of guys. You're telling you just you just got done with your rant about how Spaziri was the guy. I know, but so here's the thing, though, because Elliot's specific, it's a terrible matchup for Elliot because it's just like, look, Andre just is like, right, well, I, I don't give. A, I have a another flat. one, but we're gonna save that until we get to our all tournament teams, because or, yeah. or, or at least till we get to the team, because I'll there's another guy I'll take it from. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, Andre would be like, look, I don't really give a fuck what you're doing. Sorry, West stuff. Um, but it's like I'm gonna hit forehands big into that backhand corner, Elliot. If you do something amazing, that's great. But I'm gonna hit forehands big into that backhand corner, and I think I'm gonna overwhelm. Like they're just that's the glass half full. If you'll all indulge me, is I thought. I mean, I've just never seen like I yeah, him, on him at three is a joke, right? Well, it's I just mean, great, but it's like, but Fenty was that again. Oh, Michigan's legit. tier one good. They're tier yeah. one good. That's the yeah. take. Yeah, we we already did twenty seven minutes on Michigan in the semifinal recap, so people can go hear the extended take there. All right, let's move on to the quarterfinalists now. Let's start with Ohio State. They drop a heartbreaker four three in the quarterfinals against Texas. But maybe no team bounced back more impressively this weekend from a loss than Ohio State, who go out and give Virginia the business. And look, this was a Virginia team. They were playing for the second time in two weeks. They went to Charlottesville, knocked off the Who's a couple of weeks ago. They 4 0 them, Chris. 4 0 them. And for Cannon Kingsley, who looked like the left ankle was just had <laughs> given up on him at the end of that 4 3 match against P.Y. Bailey in Texas, for Cannon to come out and beat Chris Rodesh in straight sets. I mean, that's a testament to Cannon Kingsley, the all American who he just, it's out. Like you never have to ask, did Cannon Kingsley give his all today? Because the answer to that question is always yes. You know, again, Tracy bounces back after a rare struggle for Tracy. He gets a very comfortable win over Von der Schulenberg at the number three spot. Never under uh, underrated, of course, how difficult that win is. Robert Cash continues to do his thing. Like, yes, they lost to, to Texas 4-3. I still feel really good about this Ohio State team. Like, I actually think... I don't want to say the loss was good for them because there are no moral victories in college tennis. We've established that premise over the weekend, especially for teams with national championship aspirations. But like, this is the barn burner where it's like, okay, now they don't have that burden of the expectations of you're the number one team. Everyone's chasing you. Now they get to little, they get to say, Hey, we're the underdogs. You know, we're coming after you. We are the unheralded squad. They can have that manufactured chip on the shoulder 
And like, again, I just loved the way they bounced back. You learn about a team in a moment like that. And Ohio State said, we are furious. We're taking it out on Virginia. And like, that just tells me, I know my takes first there, but like, God, it, it just tells me about the moxie of this group. I really like the make. It's the experience. It's like this team has the experience. That's why even after a loss that had to be described as disappointing to Texas, they bounce back in the best possible way. Yeah, so multiple things I'll say about that. One, you can't feel horrible if you're an Ohio State fan. You can't feel horrible about the loss. Like you said, there are no moral victories, but you could tell clearly Cannon was not 100%. They were already without Alex Bernard going into the match, which pulled everybody else up a spot. So you're you're a man and a half down, let's say, Uh and you still go a 4-3 match. I mean, and Cannon served for the match twice in the second set. They were, I mean, they were points from this never even being an issue or a story, right? Who knows what happens if they win the match and they go on and say they end up playing TCU. We have no idea what happens, but we were almost there. And, and I would have bet, I would have bet my life savings after that match when Cannon, you know, just got drubbed in the third that, you know, I even said it when in our recap that night, there is zero chance he's playing tomorrow. And he comes out and beat, he didn't just, you said he beat Rodesh in straight sets. He didn't just beat him in straight sets. I don't, I'm not looking at the score, but it was like two and three or three and two, something three like that. Three and two, he got yeah. them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, a, it, was, it was, he whitewashed him. I mean, it wasn't just a straight set win. He, he killed him. So I don't know what happened overnight. Uh, you know, just some, some miracle happened and the, and the ankle was good, but I mean, Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm not down on that team at all. I'll, you know, I can look at that and go, sure. You're down a guy and other guys hurt and you go four three with who I think is one of the best teams, you know, out there. Sure. Yeah. It was a tier one toss up. Like, guess what? Teams in tier one play four, three matches. And when there are two teams playing a match, one of them's the loser. Like that's just how this sport works. I couldn't agree with you more. They're on the wrong end of that one. They're going to be on the right end of some this season as well. And just, again, there's just a grit to this team. I really, really enjoy on the flip side. I don't want to say Virginia's got some issues right now. Um, John Parsons on our show yesterday says he doesn't think Virginia is a tier one team at this moment. Now they were without Barbots for this weekend. I don't know what happened in Inyaki Fenty. I'll never understand that match. That was just Andrew Fenty. Fenty just got him. Like, I don't know. Fenty was just one shot better in every point that they played. Vonder Schulenberg goes one and two over the course of the weekend. I will bet all the money in my pocket, Chris, that that doesn't happen ever again in Vonder Schulenberg's career, that he has a one and two weekend. And again, he played Styler. He played Tracy back to back. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy at that number three spot. That's the gauntlet indoors as well against those two. But look like, I guess my take for this Virginia team is I don't really care what they look like right now. Like for me, it's all about April. It's all about that ACC tournament because that's when they need to be peaking. That's when we need to see Botzer start to play his best. That's when we need to figure out, is it Dahlberg? Is it Kiefer? What does the bottom of the singles lineup look like? I just think my take is Virginia's in a holding pattern and I don't really care. Like, again, I know how good this team can be. I don't, I don't write them off after this weekend. Well, there's, I mean, it's not even a question what Jay said that they're absolutely not a tier one team right now. I mean, and I'm, and I'm saying right now. Okay. 
I mean, coming out of this, they're not tier one. They couldn't hang with any of the tier one teams. Uh, and and that's not even forget five and six. That's their top four studs. I mean, they they couldn't do it. So um, but to your point, that it's not, you know, now isn't what matters. And they know at, you know, in all likelihood, by the time we get to, you know, April and May, we're gonna see, you know, a healthy in shape bar bots are playing. And then we only probably have one question mark down at the bottom of the lineup and the other guys. Yeah. They'll, I'm, I'm sure they, they've been there for a couple of years. They'll be around. Yeah. It was, I would say just disappointing is, is all I can say is it, it was a disappointing weekend to see, you know, the top four, those core guys of Inyaki, Rodesh, Vander Schulenberg and Getz just not, you know, kind of perform like we expect and have seen them do in the past. But it still doesn't make me think that they won't be there by the time May rolls around. Uh, I, I think they will be. They'll be ready for another run. They're just not there right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair argument. I would say, you know, again, looking for this Virginia team, I didn't dislike what I saw from Dahlberg. Like, I, I thought he moved the ball well around the court. I think his game will translate a little bit better outdoors. Although, I mean, again, it, I guess it's too soon to tell. I'm really in on Ryan Getz. Like, Ryan Getz, I want to be clear, it's a big four. You know, again, we talk about Von der Schulenberg, Montez, Rodesh, because those three have been tied at the hip for so long. But Getz can hang at the number four spot with absolutely anyone. And, you know, again... It is about finding five. It is about finding six. They can't just turn, you know, Gianni Ross isn't walking through that door. And that was the ultimate luxury last year. They went six deep. They were that good at every position. Dahlberg, Kiefer, still a question mark there. They're playing around with their doubles teams clearly as well. They just weren't clicking on all cylinders, unfortunately, uh, this weekend. But again, it's too early in the season to say. I will say I'm... I don't want to say it's sad that Cannon beat Rodesh because the take I wanted to share is like watching the Maloney match. I, Chris Rodesh might have the highest pro upside of any collegiate player we currently have in the game. Like the movement, the size, the weapons. I was talking to Maloney after the match about Rodesh and he was like, dude, I was lucky to hang in that set. He's like, I had to pull out every trick in my bag to just stay alive in the set because it's just relentless power. And just, again, he moves really well for a guy his size. Yeah, I I just, again, what happens if the top four, it reminds me a lot of 2019 Wake Forest, Chris, where you're just like, okay, we know Gojo, Prisokos, Botser are three of our points. We got to find one more. I think they know their top four on the right days can get them three points. They got to find one more. And again, in a year with so much depth at the top of the game, specifically where you do have tier one options everywhere, like Michigan, Ohio State, TCU, Texas, Kentucky, and perhaps even USC with Lerner Tien. Um, yeah, like it's just they they need they need the bottom of their lineup to click. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's the question, but monologue complete. Um, yeah, there it is. So, all right, that's enough on Virginia. Let's move now to the other side of the draw. Uh, what were what was your biggest take about quarterfinalist Georgia? I mean, huge weekend for Georgia, I, frankly, especially after losing to Illinois coming into the weekend, right? They got up there early, got to play. Somebody always plays, you know, when it's in Chicago, someone plays a a match against Illinois out there just to get ready. 
Illinois knocks off Georgia and you're thinking, oh boy, Georgia's in the, they're in the running for the, for the 0 and 3 battle, right? And they come out and knock off South Carolina day, day one. I mean, I think to me, my take was the lineup changes they made were all the difference in the world. Teddy Juska at five instead of Teddy Juska at three made a world of difference for them. And clearly, Bride and Kreuter were ready to move up as well. I think they look really good and they're dangerous. Yeah. Well said. Ethan Quinn gets a much needed win over Dostanich just to get the ball rolling. They were better in person than I expected them to be. They really were. Um, again, MPP played a pretty good week at six. He was solid there. Um, yeah, Bride, just the fight he brings at three, the weapons he possesses when he's playing his best tennis. He can just play on his terms against anyone, and you feel like he, Kreuter, are you know, even if they don't win, they're going three sets with everyone. Um, yeah, I, I, they're good. They're good. I don't know if they're, if they're tier one good unless Quinn is the player we saw him be in the fall. Because, I mean, again, if they're get, they're up 1-0 from Ethan Quinn every match now with the options they have, you feel like they can definitely find three points elsewhere. I like the fight in doubles. I'm not sure if I'm sold on the teams that they have. Like, Bride and Quinn at the number one spot are really solid. I mean, again, their teams are solid. I don't know if they're so good that they should be set in stone, but Georgia's very good. Like, Georgia is a good team, and they're in the top eight fight, Chris, which I wasn't sure they would be coming into the weekend. Is that fair? Yep. Yeah, and for the record, I think some may see Chris's video is frozen. We're determining if it is on the YouTube screen. I can hear his voice clearly. I assume all of you can as well. Westoff will go about resetting that for all of us. All right, that's Georgia. And that was a little quick. I feel like we spent a little bit longer on Virginia. They are the defending NCAA champions, though. So I suppose there we go, Chris. You're moving again on the screen. Shout out to you. Um, That's a good thing. That open mouth look as I glance over just wasn't a good one. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Well, actually, no. We'll get to them. Yeah. Where where is Georgia right now in your SEC power rankings? You're our SEC guru. Um. Are they two? Is it Kentucky one no. them two? No, Kentucky and South Carolina. I okay. still have South Carolina in front of them. I mean, even though they, and I understand, you know, all the haters can hate, hate at me. They they beat them head to head. I still say South Carolina's two, uh, Georgia three. Uh, so yeah, I, I would put Georgia three. Okay, fair enough. That's where things stand for our SEC correspondent, Chris Helioris. USC, where are you with this team coming out of the indoors? Damn, waiting for, waiting to see Lerner TN. That's where I am. But uh, I would say, a disappointing finish. They're still kind of where I thought they were. My take here is they've got to figure doubles out. They're just, they're still not there in doubles. They they don't have, they, they don't have, you know, reliable, let's get a doubles point against good teams. Their singles is good enough. They are one of the teams, especially when we're not even putting them in the top five tier one group. They're good enough, even against some of those teams to say, Hey, even if we lose doubles, we can still take four singles matches, and they can, which will be even more uh, of of a possibility if and when we see Lerner Tien in the lineup. But that that's my take: is they got to get doubles because they're not going to live having to take four singles matches every time. My take: I was not a believer in Peter Mock. I am now. He's, He's good. good. He is yeah. good. I, I like. I didn't see it, but like, it's very West Coast Vonder Schulenberg-y. 
if that makes sense, where it's just like he's kind of good at everything. And he doesn't do one thing to overwhelm you, but he moves well. He defends well. He can play some offense. He's not the most willing volleyer indoors, but I thought he adjusted well to the indoor hard courts. Yeah, I agree, because if you throw Tien in there now, I mean, again, you move Mock to four or three, excuse me. That's crazy. I think Wojciech has played really well at that four spot, and that's how we say it, by the way. Um Colby's not the best version of himself, but like, the, you know, again, if Ryan Colby is the best version of himself from a match from start to finish, then that guy has no business playing in the bottom half of the lineup. He's that talented. USC weapons for sure. Yeah, USC is the team for me. And I said this to you at the semifinals. I test wise. I know they go one and two on the weekend, end up dropping the match to Georgia in the rematch from a few weeks ago. But I test wise, I'm in on this USC team. Like, I think if TN does get eligible, this team becomes unequivocally tier one. Like I do think they have that depth. They're not good at doubles yet, but give them a couple of months to find some more rhythm at the two and three spots. Who goes where? Obviously, Fry Dostanich have the benefit of the doubt. They've been that good at one over the past year and a half. But like, yeah, I think USC is really good. I, I think this one and two record is a miss. Like I, I think they should be a top eight seed. Well, yeah. Look, also. They're not an indoor team, and this is the last indoor match they're going to play this year. And this is like the fastest indoor hard courts. Yeah. At X- it's literally, if you were to make the antithesis of Mark's Tennis Stadium, it would be the XS Tennis Village. Because, like, again, indoor, the ball's lightning on those courts. You're like, can I hit a winner? Is it possible? Oh, I have to have Dostanich's forehand to do it. Well, I don't. So it's going to be miserable for me, the common layman. But all right. Those are your quarterfinalist teams. Let's now go through the rest of the draw here again. Uh, let's start. We'll just go left to right. Illinois, take for you. I, man, super impressive as com- compared to what I thought I was going to see. You gave me grief about it. We called them the, you know, the de facto 0-3 host coming no, in. No, you because, called them. No, yeah, you called them. Because they were the unranked, you know, host that gets an automatic berth. And no, they, I mean, and look, they didn't even have a healthy Petrov. And they were playing, you know, effect. I mean, they played him a couple times. Yeah, I, he may have finished the first one, but just, you know, barely. And then he had to retire right away in the last one. But uh, no, I mean, they they played as, you know, people that know, know as close a 4-0 match as you can play. They lose 4-0 to Ohio State with every other remaining match being a possible victory. Uh, and so... They, you know, they look good there. They get a win the second day. No, I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed with what they've gotten, what they've done so far. They have real depth. They have options everywhere. And again, Ozalin's heck at the top two spots, even without Petrov. I feel really good about that. I thought it was Ozalin's. Ozalin's, you're right. Ozalin's is the real deal. He like, he lost 15 pounds and he is moving so well in the weapons he has. He's a guy who, if he gets hot and gets himself into the NCAA tournament, if he's your surprise quarterfinalist this year, I don't think it should shock anyone. He has those sorts of weapons and can just play on his terms. But yeah, they lose to Tennessee on the final day of the event, but they go two and two on the week. And you know who his side winner is? Is Duke, who got a 4-3 win over Illinois. And it's like, oh, thank God. Um, like, we don't come out of this empty-handed uh, for the first two months. But yeah, it's just they're top 16 good. And I don't think either of us would have said that coming into the week. I thought they were going to be top 25 good, but I do think they're top 16 good. And the question is, can they be top 16, given that if you don't beat Michigan or Ohio State, 
Northwestern. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Northwestern's your next best point getter in the Big Ten, right? You gotta win that match. But but if that's if that's the route you go, is you drop to Ohio State, you drop to Michigan, and you beat Northwestern, does that get you top sixteen? Probably not. Let me ask you this: Who's favored right now? Illinois at Baylor, March seventeenth. Wow. Winner of that's a top sixteen seed. I mean, that's a yeah, that's a tough. I mean, that's a tough call. That's a good a good pick a match. I and you really you almost have to lean the home team, but no, it's one that I would really think about it. I coming into the weekend, I would have snap called Baylor. I'm not saying that right now. Yeah, again, this team's got option. Rose is the real deal. They play electric doubles like they're 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 still Illinois from an energy perspective. You still get the I L L and you know Conquo at that one spot. He's just at the one double spot. I don't care who you partner with him with, and you know he and DeBrew are have played really well thus far. Yeah, it was a good weekend for Illinois. You get the win over Georgia, who also goes two and one. You get a good win over a Wake Forest team that has an early season victory over Tennessee and. Obviously, played Ohio State really tight in the non-conference action as well. Uh, good stuff. It's good stuff for the University of Illinois. One of the big winners of the weekend. Our gracious host, a shout-out, as always, to Brad Dancer, who continues to push the fabric of what is capable from a college tennis broadcast perspective. Wake Forest, 0-3 on the weekend, Chris. Ooh, disaster. Like a balloon. Did the balloon burst? Oh, big guy. Uh, yeah, that was like, uh, I mean, that was worse than a Chinese spy balloon at 30,000 feet right there. I mean, that's wow. Wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look, you, you were, you were all, all in on Tony's best coaching year and they were, they were playing well. There's no doubt. And we, I mean, frankly, looking at it going, how, I don't understand how, like the top, the top four solid questions at five and six, but those guys had been picking up at least one of the two of them would have a good day every day, no matter what. And yeah, it just turned into a really rough weekend for them. And they got, uh, I mean, they got blitzed. They, they dropped Illinois. They lose the final day uh, to Stanford four Oh, in the O and three match. I mean, what did they get one point the entire week weekend? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was tough. I don't know what it was, but it was, yeah, it was just not a, not a good weekend. They definitely need to get, you know, they just need to get back home and, you know, just reset. But that, that was probably, you know, the, the most disappointing weekend, I would say, uh, obviously the two teams that go 0 and 3 are going to be the two teams that come out the most disappointed, but, uh, but certainly a disappointing weekend for them. Well, they played Stanford way closer than that 4-0 scoreline reveals. Now, they got blitzed in doubles points on just about every day, but Banerjee beats Tachi in three sets, Rajesh three sets over Baroon. I also think this team's going to be a lot better outdoors than they'll be indoors just from the game styles you see up and down the lineups, uh, their lineup. But yeah, like this was a weekend of a litmus test. How real was the early first six weeks success we saw for this Wake Forest team? And look, they still have a full ACC schedule. You know, they're going to get Virginia again, North Carolina, who we'll talk about in a second, NC State, if they bounce back, Duke, all these, you know, solid NCAA tournament quality teams in the ACC conference. Wake Forest is going to get to play all of them. Their pathway to a top eight seed, they're going to have to run the table in the ACC Still top 16 favorite, right? Like, there's no doubt they're still, if you were to bet, you would be, you would say more likely than not to be hosting the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament. But that top eight seed path might be out of the play now. I guess that's my take. 
Oh, the top. Yeah, the top eight seeds gone. That's. Yeah. I mean, to your point, it's. I mean, anything's possible. It's just math. But for to make that math work, right? Yes, they've got to beat a Virginia. They've got to beat you know North Carolina. They've got. I mean, there will be uh, plenty of opportunities in the ACC because some of those teams you mentioned them. You've got Duke. You've got North Carolina. You've got NC State. You've got Florida State. You've got Louisville coming on. I mean, there's there's going to be plenty of opportunities to pick up wins that are worth points. Top eight type points, you know, that's tough. But but to top sixteen, yeah, that that could absolutely happen. They're not there right now. Uh, I mean, they've already knocked themselves out of that spot, but they get a plenty of opportunity. So all they have to do, I mean, if, if they deserve it, they'll be there. If they don't, they won't. Yeah. Very well said. All right, let's move on to our next team, Tennessee. What's your take? Same as, I mean, a little more encouraged than I was coming in only because they picked up a couple wins. Still the beat same. Illinois, concerns. For the record, two and one beat Illinois, beat Stanford, lost to Virginia round of 16. And that loss to Virginia, right? That was the that was the upset I called, you know, thinking that if you know they could, and they all, you know, it was a four three match. I'll say the ta- the talent level is starting to show. Still, all kinds of off court personnel things going on there, and it's it's showing, and it's just tough. They've got to, the guys have to come together as a team. It was better this weekend. It's still not great. But I was encouraged by the fact that at least, you know, they picked up two wins. So I think maybe, maybe that's the start of them getting something going heading into the SEC season. Uh, I think it was big for them to pick up two after dropping that first day to pick up two wins after that was big. My whole thing is twofold. A, I thought they they were Tennessee this weekend in their wins. They were loud. They were together. They played much better from that aspect. They are so much better than when I saw them at Michigan in that first week of the season. Glass half full, Johannes Monday is as good as any player in college tennis. Glass half empty and slash half full. No, Shinsuke Mitsui yeah. has been horrible. I and knew that like, was that's where that had yeah, no, you're not wrong. And I that that's well, totally the but, right take. But the glass Mitsui's half full bad. is it's like, but what happens when he gets good? Like, if they're doing this with him playing as poorly as he is, and he'd be the first to admit it. I I don't think we're ripping on him here because this is us acknowledging he's playing poorly, not as saying this is he is bad. Like when he turns things around and becomes the player he was last season or the player he was this summer and fall on the pro tour, look out because now he goes from what has been a likely loss in their lineup to almost a sure thing victory uh, with the level we know Shinsuke Mitsui is capable of. So again, this team's getting better with they're actually improving every day and they needed to after what we saw them that first week of the season, the losses to wake in Michigan, but they stock is up. No doubt about that. That's my takeaway about coming from Tennessee. Like if they go out and beat Kentucky, if they go out and beat Georgia, South Carolina, any of these teams now, I don't want to say expected, but you're not shocked at all because this team uh, once again showed they're that good. Where are you with Stanford coming out of this one? I mean, I gave the take on one on our recap, just the Pac-12 in general, right? With USC going one and two, Stanford going one and two. Man, I this is the team I actually just I don't I I don't even know what to make of it because I think the I don't think they're gonna be I don't think they're tier one even in their best version is the problem. Uh they're they have talent. They have gaps at five and six. 
And I don't know, I don't even know what to make of Basavaretti yet at, at four. And so, I mean, look, Ferry and Basing are, you know, w- when you start talking about the top one twos in the country, they are in the conversation of the top two, you know, the top one two on any team. You can throw a handful of teams in there to bring up, but you're not leaving them out of the conversation as the best one two in the country. The problem is the other teams that are in that conversation have a solid three, four, five, six, or three, four, five, or something, you know, possible already, like I said, is still the question at four. I don't know what to make of it. And, and then even more confusing is the fact that they take a doubles point off of Michigan, but they still don't impress me all that much in doubles. And I think they've got to figure something out in doubles. I, I'm just all over the place on these guys. They just seem to be, I, nowhere consistent and i can't put them in the top you know anywhere near the top tier for that reason high variance i agree with you and if basaretti's healthy they can win one through four against anyone my take is like oh Banerjee is that good like i got to see him in person i was really impressed by his level um arthur ferry might be the best player in the country so that's three people i've said that about now Ferry, <laughs> yeah. Monday, do i get to play him against styler now Styler's four. Uh, I mean, I still might take Styler indoors on that excess surface. I'm telling you, Chris, I watched him win two 25 minute matches like against Stanford and Banerjee and against uh, and against uh, Braswell. It was just like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> like Even against Roger Schulenberger, it was like, oh, my God. Um, but yeah, like. Fairy's so good. It's really fun to watch him play. And that was a hell of a win by Monday at one to knock him off. Um, yeah, like you're right. My my takeaway from Stanford is I still have no clue because yeah, Boston yeah. Reddy's healthy. <laughs> like, who knows? I like I actually thought Kolashinsky and Chaudhry played or Chaudhry played like well. Like they were fine. They're not great options at five and six, but like they can linger long enough for one through four to do the job. And if this team's winning doubles points. They can find three singles wins, but they have to win doubles points because if the answer is doubles and three out of the top four, that's a reasonable recipe for this Stanford team. And like, again, five and six become a luxury at that point. But yeah, well said. I still don't know how I feel about Stanford coming out of the indoors. And I I think that's the. Yeah, I feel like they could beat a really good team on a good day and they could lose to a really mediocre team on a bad day perfectly put they're going to lose at utah then they're going to beat usc at at marks yeah Um, exactly yeah Yeah. all right with that said let's go the other side of the draw two and one south carolina what's your take they're good i mean they they got the loss right and this is where all right here's the guy i'm taking over styler give me toby samuel ready i was gonna say toby samuel there's there's no doubt in my mind like and you're going spazeri's the guy to me he's my guy right now like nobody beat nobody even came close to beating Toby Samuel this weekend. And this is a name, right? I know not it's it's for whatever reason, not a lot of people know, you know, South Carolina over maybe a Texas or a TCU. Toby Samuel's not a household name in college tennis as much as an Elliot Spaziri might be. But if you haven't watched Toby Samuel play, watch Toby Samuel play. I mean, he's he's just crazy good right now. Power rank the top five Tobies in history. Because maybe that's why. It's just not a lot of Toby love. Um, <laughs> yeah, you like that? Um, no, I I agree with you. Like, and it's not just him. It's Connor Thompson at two as well. Like, man, Connor Thompson's the South Carolina. 
I, th- I got to figure out what we're going to call this award. Who do you think in our history, Chris, is the teammate that was the most beloved by his team, but the most despised by players on other teams? Liam Draxel. Okay, then we'll call it the Liam Draxel. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt right there that nobody likes him. That's I not don't know. I think some people don't respect what he does because it's like they understand the act. Yeah, the play. I think actually, I think the players do more so. It's yeah. the fans that really yeah. like if you're not a fan, he's the guy that gets in your crawl because he's so fun to offer that team. Yeah, that's a very good call. We'll call it the Liam Draxel Award then. Connor Thompson is a strong nominee for the Liam Draxel Award. Like, if you, I love him because again, there are all these players are on my team. I just want to see everyone win. But like, you got to imagine he's target number one for every other team, and like, (laughs) it's just a a kid wins. And he says that's for a that's for a different reason, and you know it as well as I do. There's just a grit to Connor Thompson that I that I thoroughly enjoy and. You know, again, stories playing better. We got to figure out what their top six is, but I agree. South Carolina is good. You know who else is good? And this is my take. North Carolina. North Carolina is good. They just are. And they're not tier one good. I don't think they're going to be, you know, they might be the eight or nine seed. It's going to be an absolute battle. Like you feel like ACC is certainly going to get one top eight seed. Can they get two? That's the question. North Carolina will probably be the team if they do get two. Sherlock didn't have the greatest weekend, and this team still was in the hunt against in every match that they played. I like this North Carolina team, Chris. I, I like them more than I did coming into the weekend. I think they're for sure they're a lock to be top sixteen, in my opinion. Certainly from a quality perspective, wouldn't shock me if they beat Virginia at some point this season. No, that's not going to shock me at all. Especially the way we come out of this weekend, seeing Virginia. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, it's not going to shock me. They're really well coached in doubles. Like their doubles is just, I think they went three, zero in the doubles point. Yeah. They, Oh, they, they're, they play great doubles and they have a get kind of like I was the way I was talking about Toby Samuel, not being a household name, basically everybody outside of Brian Cernock on this North Carolina team, because you've got, you know, Sagerman and polling being new and then the rest of the guys just not being guys that you know from, you know, the national championship caliber North Carolina teams, they're all kind of the the names you don't know either, but they're the, they're they're a bunch of guys that make a really good team. And to your point, yes, they could challenge for, you know, they're going to be right hanging around that, you know, in that, I would guess most of the season, probably the low teens and with a couple big wins and especially damage that can be done in the ACC tournament, they could make a run towards the top eight. Yeah, very well said. And again, they didn't drop a doubles point this weekend. I went and checked it out. They play, they did play that 4-3 match as Jeffrey Foster reminds us against TCU where they were up a set and a break at a court. If they close that out, they win the match 4-3. Also, shout out to Archit Suresh, who has Styler Ferry for the Hemi Turner title, which if you listen to the broadcast, shout out to Archit, who clearly did. Um all right, Florida, one and two. I come out of this thinking, like, again, Florida's scrappy, man. Like, they're not great yet, but they play with great energy, and they just play free. Like, this is a team that you can tell has had the burden of expectations removed, and they're loving it. I love their energy. You know, again, Axel has not had a ton of success. He has struggled at the number one spot, but I'm not sure what their path to four will be in any match. I think they can find a lot of different ones. Uh, yeah, once they get into the SEC and they're not playing the top teams, sure. Uh, but I think when they're playing the top teams, 
yeah, that path is pretty clear that they need to take doubles. They need to take Braswell. They need to take Benetto and they need to take either like Tokach or Orlikowski. But I mean, that's it's. You uh, still haven't even seen Orlikowski yet. Well, no, he played the last two days at indoors. No, but I'm saying like the the to- like we haven't seen the totality of Orlikowski. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, they barely. They, we didn't get him day one against Kentucky. Yeah. They put him in day two and he blitzes whoever he plays. Like, I don't know, it was hor- like one and oh, I, it was something. I mean, it was an uh, absolute whitewash. And then, and then he played a tight match uh, after that, but and won. But yeah, he's, I think, I think that's the, for me, the take is Orlikowski looks like he's finally ready to play. I think he will be in the lineup. And yeah, they're, they're scrappy. They're going to find points. They will be better outdoors than indoors. And so it will be interesting to see where they fall in the pecking order in the SEC. Right now, you have to say clearly they're behind the other four teams that were at the indoors from the SEC and probably clearly starting in front of the remainder of the teams that weren't there. Sure. And is that what they are? Are they the fifth best team in the SEC? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Very well said. Of course, the last thing we'd added, we send our thoughts, our love to Coach McClure, who couldn't be there. He's having some family health issues. And so obviously we're thinking about the core family right now here at Cracked Rackets. Last but certainly not least, Baylor Bears. Tough weekend, obviously, as they fall 0-3. They've fallen under 500, I believe, for the year now, although they've played as brutal of a schedule as you will find through the first two months of the season. Your take on these Baylor Bears coming out of the indoors? Building year. Rebuilding year. Yeah. I mean, it's, I was a little higher coming in. Look, they've got a lot of promise. I mean, Velch and Koenig, you know, as new guys, both, I mean, you and I both spoken volumes on Velch already. We both love him. Uh, Koenig's just, I mean, he's, he, he can get beat 0 and 1 one day and then, uh, and then look really good the next day. So, you know, he's obviously just got to get, into the college game and, and mature, you know, for college level a little more. But outside of that, I mean, Bass was hurt. Miladinovich has had been playing better uh, recently. So, I, I mean, I think he's good. Teddy can hang with anybody there. I, I'm not going to write, I wouldn't write this team off. I just, you know, from a tier one standpoint, no, they're not going to be there. They're going to be solid in that. They could be in that next level group. I don't, but I don't think after this weekend, I don't think they're, you know, they're certainly not in the conversation for trying to challenge, say, even for that eight spot. Uh, yeah. It's, it. I think that's out of the question. Now it's just, uh, hey, let's, let's try to, let's try to make sure we get a top 16 and get to host that first match. And then, and then after that, we're on the road. Yeah, or more importantly, host kickoff weekend 2024, when again, just about everyone on this team will be returning they're one big gun short. Like if Boytan comes yeah. back, now this team's top 10 because they have eight guys who could be really good anywhere from three through six. And like, again, if it's Boytan one, Teddy two, and then fill in the rest wherever, now this team's really firing on all cylinders. They're just a guy short or they just don't have that clear cut number one. And you're just never sure where the four points are going to come from for this Baylor team. That said, like, I still think they're really solid. Like, I do think they can compete and, you know, play good matches at just just about every singles position. Um, They play really sound doubles. They play with great energy in the doubles as well. I think Bass and Mizuchi are a top 10 doubles team, can play anyone really close at that number one spot and straight up beat 
anyone that they face. They're going to be an authority on the side. They're going to beat someone this year during the Big 12 season, right? A TCU, a Texas at some point. I'm, I, but, yeah, it's like, again, ask me about this team. I want to see this team more come May when all these young pieces get a little bit more experience. And then, again, I think this year is to set up the 2024, the 2025 seasons uh, to your and Scotty B's point in the chat. So, um, yeah, again, it was a tough weekend for the Baylor Bears, no doubt, but uh, a weekend that I think this young group in particular needed to go through because now they've seen the best and now they see where they need to get to to be competing with those teams in May. Yeah, and look, for teams like Baylor and Wake Forest that come out of here as 0-3, the, you know, the, the thing with indoors is it's really easy for things to snowball quickly on you. You're playing three matches back-to-back-to-back days against the best teams in the country Two teams are going 0 and 3. And when things aren't going your way, especially when you got you're playing a couple of young guys like Baylor is, it's it's just easy for that to happen. And what you get away from it, you get a chance to reset. These guys get to build a little confidence, only play, you know, one to two matches a week instead of three in three days. Things can change and you get outdoors. But like, yeah, it's it is going to be overall big picture. It's rebuilding. On the way to rebuilding, they still want to try to host NCAAs the first round and, you know, and make it to, you know, take a shot at making that that quarterfinal if they can. But it's yeah, I think big picture it is. Let's set things up for the next couple of years. Yeah, very well said. Well, folks, that's one take at least on every team that competed at the 2023 Men's National Indoor Championships in Chicago. Uh, Before we put the final bow on that event, though, got to talk all tournament team got to talk most outstanding player we'll go through these quickly now here chris as we rapid fire through the ending of this show we'll start with singles number one spot elliot spaziri hands down i knew you were going there give me toby samuel when we say no rules you can lose in the round of 16 he goes three and oh technically elliot I mean, he didn't finish that last match. He did get a win over. Yeah, I mean, if I could name them co-number ones, I would say they're co-number ones. All right. Number two. Uh, I'm going Luke Fomba. He had some unfinished, too, I know. Uh, I had it down to him or Maloney. Um, And like, okay, this is what I said before the show. You might make fun of me. I think you could make a case for three Wolverines in the all-tournament team singles lineup, which is like crazy to do because – um, again, this team did find four singles victories against Stanford. This team did find three singles victories against Texas, obviously found three against Virginia as well. So I guess they did rack up a lot of points. Here's the thing. I knew with every fiber of my being Maloney was going to win against Stanford. I knew with every fiber of our, my being Maloney was going to win against Texas after dropping the doubles point. And he does it like through sheer force of will. Like it's, it's the beating heart that gets the Michigan team going. I think Fumba, TCU could have won without Fumba. And when I do this all-tournament team, I want it to be a reflection of who mattered most at the event. So I go Maloney too, but Fumba's a good pick. Who's your three? Uh, no question, it's Andre Styler. Lapidot is in the conversation. Deserves a shout at that number three spot. I agree with that. Yeah, but I, I went Styler as well. Four's got to be Sander, right? With a shout out to Taha. You're not going to like my... Surprise. I'm doing the Gruskin like off the wall picks here because I'm going with a guy that didn't even play for the whole tournament. Okay. Give me James Trotter. Ooh, that's a really good pick. 
And honestly, like he played five the first day, then with Bernard out, plays four the next two days. Still hasn't lost a match this year. Yeah, that's a really good pick. It's a really good pick. I go Sander. He goes 3 0 1. I think it's got to be him or Taha. And I just think Sander and look, epitomizes the joke that is the TCU depth. To be honest, I spread things around a little because yeah, I already, I didn't want to pick too many guys from the same team. I already have a couple teams, a couple guys from TCU and a couple from Michigan. So I didn't go the Maloney route or the Sander route there. So that's, right. that's another reason. Who'd you go five? I went Gorsney. Yeah, it's got to be Gorsney. I don't even think we need a debate there. Six. I went Will Cooksey. I mean, three and oh, how could I not? Clinches against Stanford, gets a win against Virginia, gets a win against Texas. I don't know how you pick anyone but Cooksey either. I have like TCU six circled, but like, yeah, Jessica like I wanted to go win. somewhere else, yeah, but like, I'm just not sure how I, I don't, I can't. Cosnay, maybe. He lost, like, but he lost a match. I know. How do you not take a lot? Like, I know he's he's not the sexy name, but I mean, Can he I went, give another you know. shout here. What about Robert Cash here in that same Trotter theme of like a cash in the bottom half of the lineup deserves a shout out? Yeah, absolutely. He still hasn't lost a match this year, right? That's and what he, I'm saying. And he got pulled up to five for a couple matches. But yeah, you could six the first day and then five. Yeah, I would absolutely be fine with him too. He's the one guy I wanted to find a spot for on this all-tournament team. I couldn't. I agree. One of Trotter or Cash has to be on the all-tournament team. I think it's got to be Cash. Um, who I think went 3-0 on the weekend, actually. Um, yeah, where do you put Cash in this lineup? I don't know, man. I think he deserves a shout. I really do. Yeah, you like could that, put him Yeah, tough. you could put him six. Yeah, that's tough. Um, all right, doubles. I think Fumba and Fernley have to be the pick at one. Um, I think Mercer Lapidot have to be the pick at two. I think Gordon Gor- Gorsny Vives or Huang Braswell have to be the picks at three. I picked Huang Braswell at three because their wins over Ohio State and then in particular the clinch over Michigan were just significant. Like, Texas needed three doubles. TCU didn't need their three spot always. So I went Texas just to give them a little more representation on this list at that three spot. But I think it's a pretty clear cut. Fernley Fumba one, Mercer Lapidot two, Huang Braswell three. Uh, I'm good with that. Yeah, that that works for you? Yeah, only, yeah okay. only because now when you get to the last one, I'll make up for your sliding of the TCU guys at three. Well, who's your mop? I mean, I'm. this is not going to be the popular pick, but didn't lose a match in singles, didn't lose a match in doubles. Give me Gorsney. How is that not the popular pick? I think that's the right pick. Well, just because he's playing five. I mean, you know, everybody wants so, to give the most outstanding player to no. like the number one or number two guy, right? Yeah, but not on this show. We're smarter than that, Chris. We know yeah. better than that. Come on. Who was the guy that separated TCU from the rest? It's having Seb fucking Gorsny at five singles and three doubles. Yes, yeah. he's your most outstanding player. I couldn't yeah, agree. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh I think he's the I think he's the green light. But yeah, again, that is your most outstanding player. That's your all tournament team. God, if there are three Michigan Wolverines on the all-tournament team, Chris, I'm going to cry. Um, but I think you can make a legitimate case for three. I do hope we find a way. Like, if they want to... have it, Has it not even come out yet? No, it comes out today, right? I've been, yeah. I don't pay attention. Be Chris, sad of me. I'm working a shift from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. at Tennis Channel. Do you think my brain works at all? Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on in the world. Um, but there it is, folks. That's your look at the 2023 National Indoors. Now, we got to do two more things quickly here before we go start with the rankings 
Let's look at our Cracked Rackets rankings now. Updated after the National Indoors. Obviously, you get some big movers for us. TCU won. Ohio State, too. That screams Parsa doing something stupid or you doing something to be annoying. Texas, three. Michigan, four. Kentucky, five. Virginia, six. South Carolina, seven. USC, eight. Wake Forest, nine. Georgia, 10. I scratched that because that's clearly my brain not working. Ohio State did beat Texas 4-0 at, wait, you have Ohio State number one? In your rankings right now, Chris. Oh, because you go with the straight computer. I forgot. No, I, I don't. No, 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 no. Uh, okay. Westoff has mine from a previous week or something. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, that like, actually is my here. previous week, not this week. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's what's screwed up there. I was like, something's off because we all saw that effort from Texas and just no disrespect to Ohio State, who I think has to be number three. And I would just do a straight flip flop there. I'd go TCU one, uh, Texas two, Ohio State three. Michigan four. I mean, again, this looks pretty darn similar to what my rankings look like overall. Now, again, we'll have to see. Wake Forest should not be at nine, and that's that's skewed, obviously. Well, I can I can see as Westoff put in for us that both mine and West, well, mine are are just the week befores, and I should have UNC nine, Wake Forest ten, and Parsons as well was a typo and should be UNC at nine, not Wake Forest. So that'll mix them up a little. Yeah, we'll get those proper college tennis rankings out to you uh, later on today. But again, movement-wise, it's about right. Your top five, TCU, Ohio State, Texas, Michigan, Kentucky. I think that's the end of tier number one right now, right? Yep. Yeah, well said. And that's really what these rankings are meant to do. Now, let's look up if we can. Do we have the ITA rankings? Super producer Daniel Westoff, do we have that men's top 10? Because if we do, I want to show them on the screen now. Obviously, again, we've got our first edition of the computer rankings TCU 1, Texas 2, Michigan 3, Ohio State 4, Kentucky 5, South Carolina 6, USC 7, Georgia 8, Harvard at the number 9 spot, North Carolina sitting at 10. Chris, you've looked at the computer rankings more closely than I have, not just in the top 10, but I'm curious, what outliers, what are your biggest takeaways from week number one? I mean, the biggest takeaways are just, it's so early in the season that if you don't have a bunch of good, for those top teams anyway, good, solid countable wins you see a team like virginia go from the last poll being number one all the way down to like eight 18 or 19 whatever they are right uh i mean that's a, that's a big drop i don't think any i mean there's nothing really in these computer rankings that surprises me whatsoever they're actually for being this early in the year i mean harvard's the one that stands out for most of us right because every other team here we saw it indoors. Uh, and, and so that's the one that, that people just don't, don't know, but they've Harvard's got, you know, they've got good wins Didn't on Columbia, their schedule. Did Columbia also beat Harvard this weekend for three? Did what? Didn't Columbia beat Harvard? This yeah. Harvard weekend? has lost to their, their three losses are Columbia, Michigan, and North Carolina. Uh, yeah, but terrible. they've also beaten Columbia, uh, Northwestern Duke, NC state, Right. So they've got a bunch of good wins in there as well. Uh, and, and Cornell. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's I mean, that's justified, but that's the one that would stand out to most people looking at it, I think. Yeah, very well said. Well, folks, that's your look at the rankings. Let's now look at the week ahead. It's a quieter week. Overall, big picture, not too many marquee matchups. You've got the Blue Gray Classic. You've got a bunch of fun stuff, but we have the start 
of our Crack Rackets broadcast here this weekend. We've got our first Big Ten Sunday coming up, and let's put our production schedule now up on the map here for all of our YouTube followers. The matchups we've got coming up this weekend in the Big Ten. Obviously, the barn burner, Ohio State, taking on A&M in Orlando on the women's side. That's going to be delightful. But you've got Michigan at Washington uh, on the men's side, Nebraska. Uh, excuse me. You've got uh, Northwestern taking on UIC. We've got, what, let's see, four eight, nine matches for you this Sunday. We also have Ohio State, Notre Dame, Baylor versus Brown on Saturday. Outside of our Big Ten cross-court cast, Chris, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Really, for me, a little rest. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not a lot of huge uh, matches. I'll say there's a lot of good ones, but no, none, of the, none of the barn burners. So I think for me, a, a chance to, to get back and actually – Get and you know I'll do like I do every weekend probably and tune into some live streams and catch some teams that maybe uh, I don't normally get to see you know catch it I'll I'll get a look at some of these teams that we've got on the outside looking in uh, like say a a Duke or a Louisville or or you know a Mississippi State a Florida State some of those teams that are all in action I'll, I'll get to look at them but there's there there are no uh, you know on the men's side I think you said there there's some better matches on the women's side. A&M at Texas, probably one of the matches that's, you know, the in-state rivalries, even even with a so far, you know, in the year down A&M is always going to be a good match. That That's a good one to look at, uh, you know, and I, I think VCU might play Virginia. I don't know if they I don't know if I saw that or not. I thought I saw that on the schedule. Uh, I'm glancing, but uh but anyway that's uh those are the kinds of things that i'm looking for on the weekend how about this here's one to spice up the week nc state goes to ohio state on the women's side diana schneider from five six deuce point match point down seven six in the third she clinches a four three win for the nc state women over ohio state so if that is your tone setter a top 100 player in the world push to match point down she earns a four three clinching win if that's what we're going to see this weekend Buckle up, folks. It'll be another exciting week of action. And of course, we'll be back next Tuesday and Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time to recap all the Division I men's and women's action. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, on the ones and twos who helps make all of this content possible. A shout out to our supporters as well at LS at Swing Vision. Would be impossible to host these shows every week without the support we get from our sponsors. A shout out to all of you in College Tennis Nation as well. Again, we're so grateful. So many of you took the time to tune in to what are two of our favorite weekends of the college tennis season, the National Indoor Championship. With all of that said, for the fantastic Chris Helios, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at LS and Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. 